Hello and welcome to another episode of 52. The seal has been broken on another deck of cards. I never use the same one twice. And another brave sports person is ready and willing to leave the next half an hour down to chance. On each playing card a question and the random selection will form our chat. The five card hand will rule all. I'd like to thank Grosvenor Casinos for sponsoring this crazy idea. The UK's leading operator with 52 venues nationwide. Online at GrosvenorCasinos.com and of course you can download the app at any time. So let's find out in about 52 seconds the name from the world of sport who's taken me to the river today. She's a female darter who turned the game on its head by making the 2020 PDC World Darts Championship and taking out not one, but two players, including the world number 11, Mensor Sulevich. She followed that up with a draw at the Premier League of Darts, which even Billie Jean King commented on, and, along with others, is blazing a trail through a sport that is now starting to offer real opportunity to all. She could have been a forensic scientist, like, you know, those CSI programs, but gave it all up for darts. She's crazy. She's the youngest 52 guest of the series. She's a single mum. Rory is a very proud kid these days and is very much loving the extra toys he's been getting of late. She has had to deal already with serious illness and now has to deal with this moron sitting opposite her. It's time to bull up as 52 meets the Queen of the Palace, Fallon Sherrick. Hi, Fallon. Hello. I'm going to make a comparison before we even deal these cards between you and Snow Patrol. You know, the band. (laughs) Right. So I used to muck about with Snow Patrol. My mate Nathan was in a band I managed unsigned and he joined Snow Patrol six months before they went massive. But Snow Patrol to me are the band that I put on in a bar to 20 people and lost money. And then they get big and I'm in meetings and people go, do you think we could get Snow Patrol? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like Smelly Gary and Smelly Nathan, right? They're just guys, mates. And I feel the same about you. When we were putting 52 together and we're looking at the guest list, Grosvenor Casinos were like, do you know who would be great? Fallon Sherrick. Do you think we'd be able to get her? And it's like, I'm still acclimatizing to your fame because you're the teenager out the back of the lakeside who was always nice, who was always a bit of a laugh who we'd sit about and chat. Has your head got round all this yet? Because uh, mine hasn't. No, definitely not yet. Um, it still hasn't had time to sink in, really. Right. Well, I know you've done a lot of interviews in the last six months. Nothing quite like this. Let's shuffle up. Skilled. <laughs> right, dead simple to start. I'll fan the cards. You look so terrified. I know, because I don't know what to expect from the cards. It's fine. <laughs> Right, pick a card, any card, and that will start your odyssey. It's the three of diamonds. What's it say? What three words describe you best? Oh, that's such a hard first question because it's quite personal. So what would other people say? What would you say? But three words. Uh, Shy a little bit, I think. Shy a lot. A a little bit, like when I meet new people and stuff like that. But um... How do you find this? Because it sounds intimate, you and I, but like Charlie's sitting there. Fix is sitting there. Andrew's there. Is that quite nerve-wracking? Yeah, I know. I've got like a little audience yeah. now. <laughs> and, like... and worse than that, I'm recording an episode after this with Stuart Pearce and he's arrived early. <laughs> he's watching it as well. <laughs> so, okay, shy. I would have picked that one for you as well. What are we going next? Um, determined. Yes. But I never give up on Quiet anything. fire. Um, they are the two I would put down and we're going to talk about it in a second. Can you think of a third one? Um, I would say... Devoted to Rory. Yeah. I think that would sum me up. Yeah. So shy and determined together sound like strange bedfellows. 
But that's what I admired most about what you did at the darts. I seen big brutes who weigh 18 stone and drink until everyone in the room's fallen over and have bravado. And their arse goes when they need to hit those last couple of doubles. Trebles for show, doubles for dough. Talk me through finishing those two games at the alley pally in front of that crowd because that was the money right there. That was the bit that blew my mind. Yeah, um, I definitely feel like the finishing was like my main part of the game, especially against Mensa. I mean, that was the only thing that won me that game. Um, yeah, I just think that was key. I, I put the effort in and obviously it paid off. Is that what darts is about, really? Like, you smash in whatever you want. I always say that the more successful you are in a game of darts, the more pressure is on you. When you're three legs away, then two legs away more pressure. Don't matter how much you're up. Hitting those final doubles, it, do you do anything in your mind? Because up there, you, you played those final legs in the first round and second round like you were in your living room. Yeah, no, um, the like last legs and stuff like that. You, you just don't think about, oh, this is nearly the last leg or it's the last leg or there's two more legs. You've got to get three legs and stuff like that. You just don't think of that. And obviously that's what I've learned, obviously, from playing at the lakeside and all that. So I've kind of got my mindset around that. So I'm literally thinking this is just a double 16 or double 18 or something. I'm not thinking this is to win the leg and then I'm throwing for the match or anything like that. I don't think of that. But do you not realise that that is the X factor? Do you not realise that the majority of players do think of that? Take Van Gerwen out for a second, right? I don't think there's much between the word number two and the word number 11. I think what you've just talked about is the difference. Yeah, I don't feel like with the skills that they play and stuff like that, there's not really much different. But it's just how you compose yourself how when you're playing and obviously the mindset when you are going for the doubles and the pressure. If you can handle the pressure, that's what makes the player. Do you think you're built for that big stage rather than the small stage? Because I think that's also true. I think there's some that thrive in the bigger crowd and that's even rarer to find that because, okay, Lakeside get further in get the world final at Lakeside as you did of course there's a big crowd in that day but apart from that a lot of your darts would have been played like it is for a lot of the men actually outside of the top 16 one man the dog no one in the room smaller crowds back of hotels do you think you thrive off the more people yeah I definitely thrived on playing the bigger stages and stuff because I definitely felt like my game was probably better on them stages than what they were on the smaller stages like Lakeside and that would you have thought that no honestly before going up there I didn't (laughs) I didn't know how I was gonna like react to it all but yeah it just made me play better and I just felt so comfortable up there I I can't explain it bizarre can't explain it amazing it was love that right Fallon here we go I'm gonna riffle just say stop You've got an ace of spades. If you hit a pair at any stage or above, Grosvenor Casinos will give £1,000 to the Carers Trust. So that's a nice little bonus in the five cards. So we hope you're going to pair up at some stage. You've got the ace of spades. I must let you know, whenever you get an ace, it's probably going to be quite a hard question to answer. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. What is the one thing about you that we don't know? What is the one thing about probably a lot, right? I don't know. I, I know a few things about you. <laughs> I think most of the world knows everything about me now. Um, what pops into your head? There was, I bet there was something that popped into your head there when you saw that question. You went, uh-oh. No, nothing like that. No, I don't mean anything. <laughs> I what do you mean? Don't accuse me. Um, I don't know. Because literally everything's just been like, bang, everywhere. Did, how have you found that then from being able to do your sport and be to the wider public invisible 
And then like, wow, this granny knows who I am in the shop. How's yeah. that been? Talk me through that. Um, it's definitely been like different because obviously like everyone knows everything now and I'm just like, oh God, I used to be able to like just go around the corner and no one used to like bat an eyelid and now I can't walk through a room of people without them going, oh, Fallon, Fallon, Fallon. I'm just like, oh, hi. Have you had to wear a baseball cap on any stage to go out? False beard? No, because um, what I normally do is I go out with no makeup on so then people second guess who I am. So it's great. Really? Yeah, I'm like a catfish with no makeup on. So I used to do that in the 90s. When it was at Radio 1. That helped me as well. Right, I'm not letting you away with that. I want a better answer than that. Um, you've earned a few quid in the last six months. What you spend your money on? What What's your treat? Um, I think the first thing I did was actually go buy Rory an iPad. Like, literally, I haven't bought anything for myself. I've literally just bought Rory stuff. Like, with all everything that I've got, I haven't actually spent any on myself yet. Look at that. Devoted. Yeah. See? Yeah. And I come up with that word as well. I know. Right. Two questions in, it's time for the stacked deck. A good time to mention again, the 52 sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos, the UK's largest operator with 52 venues nationwide, online at grosvenorcasinos.com. I chose the two of hearts, which means you're on for a straight right now, Fallon Sherrick, so that's, that's pretty. We haven't had a straight yet, I love that. Which two minutes of your career would you like to relive? Which two minutes? You've won titles. And then you had, obviously, the PDC experience. But your two minutes could be something entirely different. It could be when you met somebody that inspired you. It could be the first time you ever walked out on the stage. What, what, what came into your head as the two minutes? In fairness, though, as soon as you'd done that, it was definitely the game against Ted again. Like, when I yeah. won and the reaction and all of that. Like, I'd definitely do that again. Like, I thought when I got to the final at Lakeside, that was big. And then, obviously, when I won that, I was like, the game against Ted... That was definitely my proudest moment, I felt. Did you not think about what to do when you won? I didn't know what to do. I didn't no, even know I know, what to we say. know, we watched it. <laughs> I think what you did, you did like a, you know, like a dog chasing his tail. You, you went in a circle a few times, then you covered your face. Yeah, I and did. Then, I did what was the brain doing at that stage? Could you hear everything? Could you see everything? Or was it slow motion? Yeah, so obviously, like, when I was playing, the, like, the whole mind, like, closed in. And then obviously after, it just kind of all opened up. So I literally, I saw the crowd, I heard the reaction. I just saw myself on the stage with everyone there and didn't know where to like smile, laugh, cry. Didn't know what to do. So it was like all these emotions were just running all through my head and everything. I did genuinely, that's why I was like, uh, what do I do? Were you able to like celebrate that night knowing that you got another game coming? Be honest. Um, so by the time I finished with all the interviews and stuff that night, I think I got back to the hotel and it must have been at least one o'clock in the morning. Mm. I actually like had a drink, like a coffee, actually with a coffee because like my adrenaline was going absolutely mental. So I had a uh, mm. coffee with my manager, Jason, and then went to sleep and then was up in like two hours, three hours. And then was like down in London. I was like, I literally didn't have time to celebrate. It was only till... I got home and had like a couple of like days to myself that I celebrated with my mates. But and I think I'm right in saying because of illness, are you teetotal? Which Close to teetotal, no drinking. Not really, no. Not really, like the so you're literally the most sober darts player in the history of darts, right? Yeah. Because I don't think people quite know. Well, people do know it, but I don't think they get it. And it's only when you play darts are you. I've been lucky enough to work at it. When people say, it, oh, yeah, that, that guy, he doesn't drink much when he plays, that means, like, four or five pints, doesn't it? Yeah. And when they say, oh, he likes to drink before he throws darts, we're talking a lot more. 
that really hasn't changed that culture. Although there's some players, there's now they're coming in that are so fit. Gerwin Price, big bottle of water. There's some athletes coming into it, but that culture, it's that hasn't really changed, has it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've met more like dark players and stuff like that who don't actually like Chris doesn't drink at all. Yeah. So like I've met more players that don't drink and stuff like that. So I think the persona of a dark player might be changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, like when I was at Lakeside and all that, like I generally didn't drink. It's bizarre, isn't it? And so you, you had to do all that sober. Almost every player still takes the edge off before they go out. That makes what you did even more remarkable. Right. Let's get back to the cards. So it's now back to you. Dead simple. Going to shuffle them. And you're going to pick top or bottom? Top. Top. All sports people go top, really. Okay, you got a king. No, it's because top's the best. That's where the winner is. Exactly. You don't no have one wants that. to be at the bottom of the like, <laughs> pile, do they? What is your most embarrassing moment? Oh, I have loads. It's fine. Good, I'll have loads. Um... Well, one of my most embarrassing moments was actually with Rory. Um, I actually took him to the zoo the other week and we were just like, we were at Woburn and we were just on these paddle boats and like we're paddling away. Well, I say I'm paddling away because he's got his legs crossed in the boat and he's not (laughs) paddling or anything. And I'm like, can you help me? He goes, no, no, you're stronger. You do it. So I'm like, okay. And when I stopped to have a break, he's shouting out, Help, help, we're sinking, we're sinking. And everyone's watching. I'm like, oh, stop, like, this is embarrassing. And then as soon as I started up again, it goes, oh, no, no, we're fine, we're fine. Like, waving about to everyone. And then as soon as I stop again, it's, we're sinking, we need help. Call, call the emergency services and everything. And I was like, that was embarrassing. And um, what age is, is Rory now? Uh, five. So you had to grow up very, very quickly. Rory's got autism, so... Obviously, great family support needed. I know you get that, don't you, from the grandparents and and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine's got a kid with autism and he takes his kid to watch football. And one of the things is, whatever route they have to go home, that has to be that route. Yeah. Doesn't matter what the traffic is. Tell me a little bit about that because I know that is not only, you say, devoted, it's it's a heck of a lot of time and the success as well. He'd have to fit round, wouldn't he, a routine? So um, obviously Rory's not going for like a route or anything like that when I go home and stuff, but like his food and stuff, he's, he's specific in what he eats and if food's touching and all of that. So uh, that's something. But like in the shops as well, like he remembers and he's got to go this way and that way, but it's not like on the drive home or anything, but it's like when you go to a shop, he's got to walk a certain way and we've got to go to a certain aisle. But then sometimes where he wants to go in the aisle, like the lighting and the sound and stuff would just set him off. Yeah. So, but he doesn't realise that he can't go up there all the time, but it's every time. Like, it's, we've got to go up this aisle and then walk up that way. And then, so it is, it is like a set routine. And like, even in the mornings, like when he gets up for school, it's like bang, bang, bang. And then he's got to go in a certain way to school and he's got to have like his backpack and he's got to have this lunchbox, like specific lunchbox. And it's like, okay. Mine, this is me. I, I'm, this is, you know, second-hand knowledge. Um, but my friend said as well, one of the, the most refreshing things about his son was honesty. Like, at times when it gets you into trouble, do you have <laughs> Yeah, I have that all the time. Rory sits there and points at people. Like, I mean, I went to the toy shop the other month and uh, this woman, she, all she did was just looking at something and accidentally dropped something on the floor and he went up to her and started pointing and beside her and says, you drop that, you got to pick it up. <laughs> like, you need to pick it up now. And I'm like, Rose, like, stop. And he's pointing at her and he's, he, he wouldn't go until she did it. Like, he just stood there and looked at her. Yeah. I was like, oh, mate, like, <laughs> it was an accident. And how is he relating to actually you being on a goggle box, like, seeing you on TV? Is 
does it overraw him or how, how does that sort of yeah so when I say oh, I'm going away to play darts and stuff like that he expects it to be on the TV or something or when I go home and I want to watch some games back say and I'm watching it back in and he's like why are you on TV you're not away you should be away playing TV. You got a twin, like all of this. I'm like, no, Rory, it's not how it works. Um, but I remember when he was really little, and I was on the TV. He actually, went behind the TV to try and see if I was there or not. Oh, brilliant! I think that was actually when I was at Lakeside. He done that. It's funny because I'm going to ask you a supplement on what's your most embarrassing moment. Is your twin identical? Uh, no. No. Okay. We look similar. Have you ever used that to your advantage? I've tried, but it doesn't really work. No. We're not exactly spitting image. She can't throw darts, can she? Yeah, she can. She's actually quite oh, decent. Yeah. She plays county and all that. Right. So was that her beat Mensah Sulevic? Because yeah. you were too shy? Yeah, yeah. That this was is a big her. con. Yeah, she said, Fallon, and... you can take all the wins. Right, let me play the games. I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll deal with that. <laughs> right. We want to get a king, a three, a two, or an ace to get the thousand pound. It works about half the time, I think. Right. Cut the deck. And read whatever card you pick up. There you go. What is it for a start? Six. No, unlucky. Mm, <laughs> if you had been rubbish at sport, what job would you have done? I love this. First of all, like she so had this fascination, did you, with crime scene, forensics. That was what you're doing, right? So tell me a bit about that. That's amazing. Yeah, so uh, I basically just like opened up all my like uh, variety and like education and stuff. And obviously I had the uh, opportunity to get an A-level in that. So I thought, yeah, I'll try that. So it was something that I was really interested in. And then obviously I was looking at going to do it further. Uh, and then obviously I was like, oh, actually I want to try and do a bit of darts as well. So that's when I took up like my qualification for my hairdressing. Because I thought, oh, mm-hmm. well, I can always go back and do the forensics if I wanted it. It's the big three, isn't it? Crime scene investigation, <laughs> darts, hairdressing. I know, it's a great so when I think of the three career paths we should offer every child, <laughs> that would be the three. Well, I'll be able to hide a body if anyone annoys me. <laughs> I'm worried now. I'm worried. Thank, thank goodness Psycho's here. He'll look after me. Um, right. So that seems a bizarre choice to me because at the time that you said that, which was eight years ago, like, I mean, I saw the change in the BDO in terms of like where I was gagging for the women's darts to come on stage, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And I could see the rise in it and I could see the lack of opportunity and I could see that something had to happen something had to give but when you chose to go into it why like why did you see it it had to be love of throwing darts it couldn't have been for the money no so it definitely worked for the money because obviously there's no money in women's darts at all but obviously my family's always done it so it was just something that i was brought up with i used to just go away with them in super league and stuff and my mum was like yeah just throw some darts you might like it and stuff so i started just throwing and then really enjoyed it when i got into the youth team so obviously when I was socializing with all the other kids and stuff and that's when I started to really enjoy doing it so mm. then that's when everything else got put on hold because I wanted to do that but mind you I was like 16 17 when I started so mm. I was really late it's a crazy choice to make as I say so an eight-year career uh birth your first child and as we've talked about Roy's autistic so a huge amount of time learning yeah. and all of that in your career and also a serious illness in there. I wonder is that why when you went on stage and you had to hit a double to win a game of darts in front of 10,000 people, you were like, so fuck. <laughs> right? I wonder is that where it comes from? Because you faced a, a lot worse than hitting a double on a on a stage, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, like, I, I've had a lot uh, go on. So to me, just 
that didn't phase me at all. Uh, so, like, obviously, with all these people and trying to hit this double, I was just relaxed while doing it because I'm like, well, it's a double at the end of the day. I mean, mm. I've had worse things happen, like, mm. maybe. I remember the first time I saw you throw a dart. The first uh, darter I thought it was Eric Bristol in terms of your style. The way you throw a dart, there's an arrogance to you. You turn your nose up when the dart... Do, do, do you know what I mean? Do you I, see I, the similarity? I don't know. I didn't I didn't really notice that. I know yeah. I've got the pinky. Yeah. I know, I know yeah. I have my little pinky. I'm yeah. drinking tea or something, like a typical English person. Like. <laughs> right, so I don't know how we got here from... Oh, yes, of course we did. If you're rubbish, what job would you, would you have done? Um, the whole point is, if you're one of the world's best dart players, male or female, you should be able to earn that money. Is this... A temporary moment, do you feel? Or have you felt the change going forward? Not just for yourself, but for Lisa Ashton, who's now got her tour card and a few others. You're the only one can tell me, is this a genuine change? Yeah, I think it's like, everything's just changed now. Like, obviously, like a few years ago when we were all playing at Lakeside and all that, it just felt like it weren't going anywhere. Mm. But obviously, with what I've done, what Lisa's done, getting the tour card, and obviously, you've got to remember what Makuru's done. Nearly like, stole your thunder. Yeah, but in fairness, <laughs> when I was watching her play, I was just willing for it to go in. I didn't realise so it was all going to blow up as much as what it did. And yeah. I mean, she was so close. She was like literally one dart away. Like, she'd left it, and if she'd got an opportunity, she would have taken it. But, yeah, like, I I think what all of us have done, like, in the world of darts, like, I think it's just helped. And the only way it could... Well, sky's the limit, surely. Like, I mean, I don't know what more we can really do. Yeah. It is about opportunity. It's about playing in more big stages. I always explain that. Like, you can't make that up where all of a sudden the only massive stage you play on is one stage a year, the lakeside, that doesn't build up an immunity to pressure. But the PDC offers weekly chances to do that. Isn't that the big difference? Yeah, I think obviously where the PDC offer uh, more opportunities and stuff like that, it's like Lisa now having the Pro Tour card. She's playing these players week in, week out. So she's going to get used to all this pressure, all these like high-class games being thrown at her. And it's only going to make her game better. Hmm. So obviously the opportunities they've given me, I can only take. So um, like playing on the stages is all great experience for, say, if I get to the World Champs again as well. Hmm. Brilliant. Right. You've got your five-card hand. You think you're out of the woods, but it's time to hit you at the end with the wild card. Oh Any question I want to ask you. You thought you were nervous before. Oh, no, I'm really Wait nervous. for this, Sherrick. Wait for this. Actually, I'm going to be quite easy on you. I just want your ultimate pinch me moment of the last six months or so. What was Heck. the one moment when you thought, how has this happened? Well, I'd say after, like, obviously when... I beat Ted and all that. And then I got on, like, Good Morning Britain and stuff yes. like that. And to me, like, I watch that every morning when I'm getting Rory ready for, like, school. And I'm just like, that was a big moment for me. Um, I'm just and you, think you played darts against Piers Morgan. And you, yes. you, that was about as nervous I've seen you. I know, because uh, <laughs> what they forget to tell you is the ball was hanging by, like, a chain. Right. And it right. was, like, spinning around. They've no respect. <laughs> they had no respect. I thought exactly that. When I watched it, I was like, that's not regulation height. In fairness, though, I don't think they know the like length, the height. Would they do that to like footballer? That. Would the net be the wrong size? No. No, would but they, it's easier would, to put no, a net. It off. was disrespect, right? 
Do you know what? I think it's like to me as well. It's like the Twitter followers as well. Like for me, obviously, to have like Billie Jean King following me and all that, and like Paddy McGuinness follows me now. <laughs> and, like you're so young. I honestly, you're 25. That that yeah. that was yeah. like my moment. Like, I was like, oh my god, I've made it. And then we went through like even like Lord. Does Sugar he like your tweets? And I'm like, wow. Lord Sugar after Paddy McGuinness. Just gonna say that. Yeah. Um, I was still waiting for Katy Perry. <laughs> it, right, get it out there. Because I know we're both big Katy Perry fans yes. for very different reasons. Can imagine. <laughs> um, my moment that I want I want to finish on for you is, which was just great. You you went to play with Luca Tony. Yes. And it's, I'm just like, what is going on here? And I want to make a point that you didn't play in the Female World Championship and you played in that. 100% right thing to do. Nobody should go and play for free in their sport when it's meant to be professional. Like, 100%. And I saw some stick being added. I was like, you have no idea. You do not understand what it's been like for a lot of years now. And that is a ridiculous way to be. Plus, as well, you're thinking of your son and your son's money and you get offered the chance to play in that. No-brainer. No-brainer. In, like, fairness, like, obviously, there was, like, multiple reasons why, but obviously, like, the money change was was a big factor as well because, obviously, they promised one thing and, obviously, it was a different thing. But I didn't have, like... When I went and played with, like, Luca Tony, that was after I turned it down as well. So I was, like, I literally walked into the opportunity and I didn't realise that was there. Yeah. So I got there and then he's like, oh, you're playing with Luca Tony. I'm like, oh, hi. (laughs) No, I know what you thought. Let's be honest. Who's he? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I had to Google. No, joking. No, 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 no. Don't lie. You would have had to Google him. You don't watch football. I know. You must have Googled him. uh, Well, basically, I was actually with my dad and I was like, oh, Oh, I've got to go here. And then I got to play with like Luca Tony. He was like, who? Like, seriously? And I was like, yeah. He goes, Fallon, do you know how big he is? I was like, well, I I can imagine. And he he was like, Google him now. (laughs) Just do it now. That's brilliant. Well, thank you for devoting half an hour of your time to me for 52, sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos. I appreciate it, Fallon Sherry. Yeah. No, you can say goodbye if you like. Well, you're just kind of looking at me like... <laughs> <laughs> it's officially no more bets. This podcast has been a Cop C production and Grosvenor Casinos is for over 18s only. Photographic ID may be required and please gamble responsibly.